This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello, welcome to episode 101 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. Today we're going back into the archives to bring you one of our favourite episodes of the podcast where Stu and Livy Gibbs were sharing about how church planting affects the family. You can find the full notes on everything that they say at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 101. So here are Stu and Livy. Just to um, explain really, for us, church planting was something that in a way came a little bit out of the blue in that though for years we'd been part of a church that had planted and had been motivated about starting other churches through the church, we ourselves hadn't um, been looking for an opportunity to church plant in that particular time zone or time time period of life. So it was kind of very much a um, God-initiated thing for us to get our heads around when he started to speak to us about leaving where we were. And probably the first few things that we discovered really about church planting was the importance of how we left our home base to start something new. Um, Particularly leaving where we were in terms of the connection to other people. Um, It was a strange feeling being really joined to a church for years and being really passionate about the vision of that church and the direction, the future and the plans. And then feeling like, oh, when we go and church plant, we won't be part of this anymore um, and our future is going to go a different direction. And it felt quite disconnecting from people and things we're familiar with. On a practical level, we found people kind of withdrew from us a bit because they knew that we weren't around for the long term. Um, no one else was excited about London like we were because everyone else was focused on where they were in the church at the time. So it was important for us to kind of handle that emotionally, the ups and downs of that. Also, I think it was quite an exposing thing to be planning to plant a church because suddenly you go public with an intention of a ministry that you want to be successful and you tell everyone, we're going to plant a church, whilst also in the back of your mind wondering, who's going to join it? (laughs) And how will it work out? And what will it be like? And will we be good at this? And there was a challenge, particularly for me, I think, that for the first time Stu was going to go kind of fly solo or at least go and do something that wasn't under someone else's covering and what if it turned out that we weren't as gifted as we thought or we, which we have discovered by the way we're not um, or that we just weren't able to get it off the ground our reputation at that point had been reasonably good in churches like we were a solid mature couple we were reliable dependable we'd seen some fruit in evangelism but we, we weren't like leading loads of people to Christ every week and suddenly the idea of going off and being on our own and having to kind of um, you know stand there and count up the fruit of our effort so there was a bit of, um, of a challenge really with fear and I think as a wife I felt really aware that my husband was putting himself out there people would be talking about our successes and or perceived failures and that kind of thing and then the other major area for us that happened and I know this doesn't affect everyone circumstantially was that we actually had quite a lot of delay Um, from when we first felt God speak to us we were pretty clear that it was the right thing to do and we set you know the wheels in motion but just practically we had to tidy up our house Uh, I don't just mean put away toys I mean repaint the whole thing to get it on the market and to sell it and then do viewings Um, and then we got a house sale and we thought yeah yeah we're good to go and then we started looking at houses at the other end and realised that we were going to have to um, go for the renting option because finances were completely different and then we lost our buyer on our house we were selling and but we were committed to moving so there was a whole load of just 
um, I guess just tiring circumstances to be walking through on a weekly basis and loads of goodbyes um, and loads of kind of, oh, will we keep in touch with so-and-so and what will happen to this relationship? And a lot of the things we'd invested in in our sending church that we just realised that, you know, we were no longer part of the future for that. So as well as all the excitement about going, I think probably for the first few months after hearing God and before we actually left, it was, um, it was a mixed bag of emotions for us. She was really pumped with future plans and I was trying to tie up loose ends and... I'm a very relational person and so I was very connected to people so church planting was actually really painful for me because it meant saying goodbye to, to good people who I'd both Christians and non-Christians whose lives I was invested in um, so it was funny really because on the one hand it was really exciting on the other hand it was quite an emotional rollercoaster ride and chuck in a few um you know fears and worries and a little bit of random comments from someone and before you know it you feel like ah, oh, I'm up and I'm down and I'm up and I'm down so yeah it was a, it was an interesting experience to walk through for those six months before we actually finally got on the road as it were so we um we felt when we were thinking back on it there were some particular opportunities and some particular challenges um particularly with regard to family life that church planting offered us um the first one was there was an opportunity to line up church life and family life in a way that we hadn't been able to before. It was like our family was the initial mission church planting team, uh, which meant we got to bring our kids right into the heart of the mission in a way that was you can do that anyway, but it was easier to do it because we were moving home and this was something that we were doing as a family. Um, we, we, we noticed after a few months that whenever our kids talked about London, they always said they just they always used the phrase London like that and we we were like that's odd that our children speak like that but we realised it's because we were trying to impart some enthusiasm to them every time we said oh because in a few weeks kids we're leaving Bristol and we're moving to London and they, that's the only way they knew how to speak and so even if they were just answering their teacher in school they'd be saying yeah we're moving to London like that so we were trying to draw our kids into what we were doing. Um, and I think for the two of us as well, we found particularly in that pre-launch phase, we tried to do as much as we could in our house. And so church planting, really, it was probably the best year of ministry that I've ever had because um, it, it basically involved organizationally. The limit was I just had to send a group text to everyone, come around at half past seven and then Livy would cook uh, dinner for about 30 people um, and then we would worship together and we'd get the flip chart out, do some preaching and teaching and pray together and everyone seemed to really love it. Uh, and so it was, it was like we were inviting people into our house, we were partnering together and so there was a massive opportunity for us to bring our family right into the heart of what we were doing. And I think that has shaped us and, they, you know, they, the kids even, they were quite young at the time, but now they, they know this is the church that started in our house. Um, and that's quite a, a big thing for them. Um, I think in terms of challenges early on, we had, we hit some very real ones that affected our family. The first one was sickness. Uh, so Livy got ill after we'd been in London about two months. Um, we'd always both been very healthy, but then she got tonsillitis at New Year and for probably five months um, um, was basically in and out of hospital um, with a, quite an extreme form of tonsillitis that meant that basically her throat swelled up so much that she couldn't eat or drink. And when she drank, 
and tried to swallow, the water came out her nose, which was a great party trick, but not a lot of fun at the time for her. Um, and we, <clears throat> I think we were, we felt probably quite clearly that this felt like opposition um, and that Jesus's words, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, felt very real to us because on the one hand we were experiencing this real opposition it was a challenge to our family life because Liv was in hospital a lot of the time so I was having to do a lot of the kids stuff and home stuff and trying to plant a church on the side um, at the same time so on the one hand it was a real massive challenge to us uh, but on the other hand it felt like God kept adding to us mm. at the same time so we were seeing both sides of it we were experiencing the opposition but we were also watching Jesus build the church, even though we weren't actually able to do an awful lot. So it felt very much like we saw God's grace to us in that season. Um, I remember hearing, and um, this quote comes from a guy called Steve Nicholson, who's overseen a lot of church planting in the vineyard. Um, but he, he reckoned, I mean, so he's seen hundreds of church plants. He reckons 90% of church plants experience a leadership crisis in the first 18 months and as I've since that was maybe seven years ago I heard that I've quoted it to almost everyone I've spoken to about church planting and they normally go yeah that is what happened to us um, and so I think that is just really worth knowing if you're starting out a church plant um, that there's usually some kind of challenge uh, we experienced the sickness thing, but we also had a, quite a significant challenge in that the person who had come to plant a church with us um, felt like it was right to leave. Um, and that happened really a week or two before we launched the church. So that was, it wasn't as dramatic as many are, but that was a, a real challenge for us. I know lots of people have had much more significant ones. I guess in terms of what we're doing tonight on family, I guess the one thing you really want is you don't want that leadership crisis to be a marriage crisis or a family breakdown. Mm. Uh, so you've got to go into church planting, anticipating there's going to be some kind of battle um, and you want your marriage and your family life generally to be rock solid so that that isn't the area that the enemy gets in and causes some dysfunction. So that's a real challenge for us. Uh, another challenge, probably more challenges and opportunities, but uh, another challenge for us was um, because church planting can be so all-consuming, uh, and I guess particularly for a guy, if you're leading it, your identity can get wrapped up in the success or failure of the church plant to the point where it actually has a detrimental effect on what you're able to, who you are as a husband or as a father because most of your emotional energy, creative energy, is being sucked into this new thing that's kicking off. Um, and I think a lot of guys have to watch out for that. I think that's true of church leadership generally, but there's an intensity about church planting where it really is sink or swim in the next 12 months. And so it kind of draws everything out of you. And as a result, um, 
try, Libby's just squeezed my knee, which was the cue if we're taking too long, we should do that. It means I want to say something. Oh, I thought you were just being affectionate, and I wasn't <laughs> sure what I should do. Give you a quick kiss on camera or something. What do you want to say, darling? I was just going to say, so us, when we, were, when we first moved to start the church, our children, we had two boys at the time, and they were three, three and a bit, and 18, 19 months. And so... We were at that stage of family life where I was just, um, it was just all hands on deck for me. And probably after I'd recovered from being unwell, praise God, I had my tonsils cut out in the end and, and that was all finished. Um, but then I, I got pregnant, and um, which we were really excited about. But actually that put a real strain on me practically because I was caring for two preschoolers and I was pregnant and Stu was trying to get the church off the ground. And I think it was difficult um, to not feel like all of our lives are getting um, sort of drawn in to the Emmanuel um, vacuum. And it wasn't, that, to be honest, it wasn't that I didn't want that. I actually was massively motivated about um, us giving our best to the church. But I think it just meant that um, everything else in family life became subject to how does this impact on, or how does church impact on family life? And I think when what we realised was we set a bit of a pattern, didn't we, in our family that we then in later years have had to undo of being too almost like too church-centric um, for the sake of your relationships, for the sake of your children. Uh, almost like we, everything else came second to church, friendships, family time, connections. And we, we learned really over time that we needed to let the church be a massive part of what we were called to, but actually enjoy um, being a family with young children. Yeah. And, and even your own spiritual health, I think. Yeah. Because if you're church-centric... Um, I think, I mean, I don't, this wouldn't necessarily be true for everyone. They may be more mature, um, but we were quite young. And uh, um, I think what happened was for a year and a half, I probably fed off the adrenaline of church planting. Yeah. And, and that was actually fine for a year and a half because actually for the first year and a half, the church grew. Um, and from the moment we turned up, basically we had new people joining all the time. So in a year and a half, we went from, you know, 10 of us who were already kind of a part of a team, we went through up to kind of 80, 90 or 100. And so that was like brilliant. But then after a year and a half, A, the church plateaued and B, I think I just started to sink. And so, again, I think it's quite common that two years in, that's about as long as you can do uh, based on your own energy levels, motivation, if you're not actually really rooted in Christ and in the grace of God and enjoying life as a believer, apart from leaving a church plant. I think a lot of people crash at about two years because that's when their body catches up on them and they realize that actually they've been feeding a bit of the whole church planting dynamic. I once asked a friend if she enjoyed being a Christian. She was involved in a church planting team and she said, uh, I haven't got time to think about that. <laughs> and that was just an indication that actually we can we, we, we love the kingdom of God advancing and we love the planting of churches, but we love Jesus more. Um, and I think we maybe a lot of us need to kind of stop and ask ourselves the question, um, how am I doing in, in loving Jesus, in loving my husband, in loving my children, in loving the lost generally, and not just being, how many people are coming, and is this person joining, and will this person get baptised, and all the questions that we can ask that really are to do with whether we think we're being successful or not. Um, and it's difficult to spot that when you're experiencing a lot of success, but I tell you, when the success fades, um, you can you can diagnose it a bit quicker. Sure. And then the, the last, I guess, thing for me in terms of challenge and opportunity probably fits into both brackets. It's just that 
I guess for most people, when they plant a church, it's going to be their first experience of senior leadership. Um, and for me, I found I was an elder before I planted, but I found the step to being an elder a lot easier than the step from going from being an elder to leading a church. But the pressure dynamics um, were completely different. Um, and so there's a kind of a step up often in terms of preaching regularly, in terms of having to carry decision making, in terms of living with the pressure, the way people view you, the way people relate to you. Um, and that is actually probably true for both of you, because whether you like it or not, probably if your husband is planting a church, uh, a lot of the women are going to view you as the woman's pastor. Um, and for some people, that's great. And that's what they want. And others, it isn't. Um, but they're probably going to view you like that anyway. And so it means for both of you, there's a step into a ministry role that you may not have been in before. And again, particularly in terms of the topic, church planting and family, I think you've just got to go into that with your eyes open and know that you're going to be under pressure. I think there's a way that you can uh, just be aware of, it, of the stress and strain that that may be providing for the for your partner and, and therefore just look for ways to pray for them and encourage them whenever you can um, and help them walk through that well so that it isn't something they're having to walk through on their own but you're communicating well about it um, so that you're aware of it together. Yeah, and I think there's um, there's much more need to encourage one another when you've put your heads above the parapet to say, um, let's do this and let's see what God does. You're much more exposed as a, as a couple and as a family. And so getting people to support you and pray for you. So we, I think one of the things I would advise people now when I talk to would-be church planters or, or current church planters, I say, who have you got that is that is just praying for you and asking you every couple of months, how are you doing? Um, who's not necessarily got a vested interest in your church, but it's just got a vested interest in you. Um, we found that it was it was amazing for us when a couple in the area came around to chat to us one evening over dinner and they didn't want to ask us about our strategies for small groups or how we were doing it, pastoring new believers or whether we had decided what we were going to do about evangelism. They just said... Uh, are you guys how are you doing in your marriage how's your communication are you um, are you getting time to be intimate with each other um, are you under any financial pressure they just wanted to support us and um, and I think that's something that again it's a, it's a leadership level across churches generally but particularly when you're church planting and there can be quite a lot of pressure that Everybody kind of knows, oh, it's hard leading a church plant, but often people don't talk to you about what you're finding hard. And sometimes it can be practical things. Like for us, it was, I'm so tired from being pregnant and having the two boys that I don't really, I'm not very motivated about the church suddenly, and I don't really care about going on a Sunday. Ah, what's happened to me? Um, I thought I really wanted to be part of a church planting team, and, and just being able to talk about that with someone who wasn't sort of saying to me, what's wrong with you? You're supposed to be part of the leadership team, but who was expressing care for me as a Christian. So, um, so that was all the kind of maybe the first couple of years, and then I think um, and I know for a lot of people, if they're right in those early years, this won't be forefront in your mind right now. But I think there is a transitional season that every church plant goes through as 
um, as a team emerges on the ground who are going to carry it. So it's not just maybe the man or the couple. Um, when we first planted Emmanuel, it very much felt like Stu was building a team around him, but actually I was probably his right-hand person. And we would pray about stuff. We would chat about stuff. We would He would bounce ideas back and forth off me. Um, I would say, don't we want the church to be like this? And shouldn't we really go for that? And I had a really a new experience I suppose as a wife of having a really clear sense of being encouraged to have a voice into decisions but as we moved towards establishing an eldership team um, I found that I had to kind of transition myself away from being in that central cog and I felt like that was quite a difference because I felt like I think I used to help lead this church and now I think I'm just in it um, and maybe by then we'd been going for two two to three years was it and we and Stu and the guys established an eldership team and I found that I was no longer in the kind of central conversations and he wasn't seeking my opinion on stuff which at first I found really offensive but then I understood over time that's because he's actually building up a relationship and then um, someone gave me some really good advice which was Libby be his wife don't try and be one of his elders and um, be to him what only you can be and not what everyone else could be and actually that was really helpful so in in jovial terms she said to me you're the only one that can have sex with your husband and I was like that is true um and you're the the only one that can be his best friend even if you're not his elder you know who's helping to cover the church and so I think I had to learn a new role again um of being really free and comfortable in being primarily Stu's wife not just his co-planter um, the other thing I was aware of was just a couple of years in really and this is interesting for us because we both love new things and we love change and we're quite up for fresh challenges but it actually became quite wearying um, and I found that I was running out of energy for everything being new and I just wanted familiarity and I wanted something to just be settled and I wanted a bit of um, a sense of predictability about things so I wanted to kind of know that these are the people who are my friends and I'm not trying every week to connect to new friends but I have got some friends and it takes a lot of energy for the first few years it takes a lot of energy to actually establish meaningful connections with people whether that's neighbours colleagues members of the church you know brothers and sisters in Christ or whether it's just even practically um you know where you do your shopping and where you, where you take your kids to a toddler group and who you bump into and recognize and I remember feeling after a few years just a sense of relief that the newness was finished and um, and I think maybe then I realised how weary I'd become from constantly investing in new friendships um, so that, that can just be an, an energy demand that there is on you to just keep going with new things but realising that you, you do need at some point to bed down into something that's not constantly changing um, the other thing was um, that we I think we we kind of lived from one meeting to the next in terms of a sense of is, is it going well or is it not so you know you can have a Sunday where you've got three new people and one of them says oh I'm going to come next week and you go home and you fist pump the air and you're like yes yes God is with us it's going well and then two weeks later, you try and gather people to pray and half the church plant don't turn out. And then someone says they're thinking of moving because they're looking for a new job. And you're like, oh. And there's a lot of ups and downs. And I think we probably felt the sense of kind of leaning towards, is it going well? Is it going badly all the time? And trying to evaluate a lot, which, um, like Stu said, meant we were kind of living from one adrenaline rush to the next and taking knocks and bumps and not really having that um that sense of the long term um that this might take years or equally just being like do you know what there's a lot in my salvation to rejoice in Mm. um and then the last thing really is just that 
if it's been a long time coming getting around to finally planting a church if it's been in your heart for many years if you've prayed about it if you had a lot of planning that you can feel like there's a pressure for it to be brilliant because this is it we've reached our destiny this is what we've been called to do all our lives and and actually a massive part part of planting a church is very normal for me it was cooking a meal every week not quite knowing who was going to come it was praying for people to join and to get stuck in and then finally they've moved on somewhere else it was taking my kids to play groups and looking for opportunities to talk to people about jesus um it was gathering people around and trying to help to make them feel comfortable in your home and share the vision with them and see if they would stick and they're actually not necessary it's not always like you're on the cutting edge of excitement all the time and there's something um strangely kind of normal about planting a church because you just do life but you do it in in a different place and with um with a sense of expectation that god's going to do something but it can be really slow um and it can be really fast and it's helpful to not think that you're definitely in the will of god because everything you touch is turning to gold or that you're not in the will of god because nothing is yet taken off so if there's a pressure for it to thrive um sometimes i think the daily reality i mean for us like i say this was eight years ago we had three little kids and my daily reality was not about um a tangible sense of the great advance of the kingdom of god in greenwich it was about nappies and naps and and meals and weaning and play groups and making friends with people and hoping that at some point i'd be able to tell them that the reason we moved to london was to start a church and have they had alpha and with the to come on a sunday but really a lot of normal life carried on and that's actually really healthy um, because God's called us to be <clears throat> living our, our lives, isn't he, for him, not just our meetings. So I think that was some of the realities for us, being a young family, um, church planting. Um, we, we discovered, didn't we? I noticed that we've got a few minutes, so I'm... Yeah, we discovered some gaps in our marriage that we'd never realised were there, I think, didn't we? When we what are you going to say? Um, well, just because we, I think we'd been kind of we gave out to a lot of people and then realized that we were a bit empty in in our in our relationship with each other and actually needed to kind of restock um like i say i think that whole thing about not being church centric if that to be honest when people ask me now what advice would you give me we're going to plant the church the first thing i say is um orientate your life not around the church but around your father god in heaven your savior jesus and the fellowship you have every day with the holy spirit because some days the church is rocking and other days it really feels like it's reeling and you've got you've got to be orientated around the gospel not the church um and i think again your marriage and your relationships in your home everything flows out of that so we'll have seasons where people say how are you doing and the answer is not really about how the church is doing the answer has to be how are we doing and the church might be going really well but we're not or we might be going really well but the church isn't and i think we've learned that if, if the church is going well but we're not at some point the church is not going to go well because we're not and this relationship here is a real bedrock isn't it to the quality of ministry yeah totally and um <clears throat> i think every time you take a step up in ministry it obviously it comes with more pressure and when you get more pressure in your life obviously that's when the cracks tend to show in your marriage and family life I remember in our mid-twenties we sat in a conference for younger leaders and uh, Dave Stroud said something like, he said, you know, you, when people are in their twenties, he said, you can't really tell which ones of them are going to do well and which ones aren't uh, because on the outside they all look okay 
and then they get to the end of their 20s and that's where you notice that some fall apart or fall away and others go on and we were both like oh is that us you know um, and thankfully I don't think we've fallen apart but I think definitely there are things that uh, we discovered that the, you know, as, as the pressures increased from family life increasing and church life creating more pressure for us and other things as well that it, it just shone like Liv said it shone a bit of a spotlight on some of the things that actually were fault lines and needed to be addressed and so we were you know we had to, at that point we had to go back and ask for God you know and look for some wisdom for God to strengthen those things thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed the episode and just a reminder you can find the full notes and everything that was said at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 101 see you next time